We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If I ventured in the slipstream This episode of Inside Golf Podcast is brought to you by RickRunGoods.com. We got a new golf course this week on the PGA Tour. Since I will not have the opportunity to cover uh, this Mexico tournament on the podcast, I went a little above and beyond with my uh, tournament preview for the website. I believe that the biggest edges to be had are on these weeks where we have limited data. And I dove pretty deep into El Cardonal, the host of uh, the Worldwide Technologies Mexico Open. I think this is a very specific type of golf course that is going to cater to a very specific type of player. So for all of my thoughts on that golf course, how I modeled it out, and to access all of my written work, not to mention questions for me, as I mentioned in that Slack channel, my final Wednesday DraftKings thoughts, uh, best ownership projections, model builder, and all of that data that Rick already has on the site, head on over to rickrungood.com. Go to the sign-up page, type in code Andy, and we would love to have you as part of that growing community. If you are an NFL guy, Ship It Nation is your place for all of that. We're off to an incredibly hot start again in the NFL. I'm posting all of my NFL picks in that Discord exclusively. That is the only place to get all of my NFL content, and you can use promo code Andy to take an extra 10% off. We went 4-0 last week to bring that season record to 2013 and 61% against the spread. I'm recording this intro Midday on Sunday, already two and one this week as well. Should be three and oh. I have no idea how the Bucks covered that game, but two and oh this week already with uh with the Seahawks up seven zero already on the Browns. We're uh actually fourteen zero. They just scored again. We're looking at almost sixty-five percent for a uh for a third straight year in the NFL. I'm not gonna call it a run anymore. A uh, big enough sample size here where we're just proud of what we're doing over here. This is what I am better at, frankly, than than anything I do professionally uh, is betting NFL games against the spread, over-unders, props. Um, historically, what I'm best at, I'd say. I put a ton of work into it 
analyzing the market, talking to people in Vegas, figuring out which way lines are moving, knowing when to bet um, is kind of one of the most important things as well, which is why access to that Discord is hugely important because I post the plays as soon as I bet them, which is often very early in the week, usually Sunday night. Um, and those are going exclusively in that Ship and Nation Discord. So the season is still young ton of money to be made i've already moved got got a couple movements that i'm feeling already for uh for next week's slate already as i record this midday on sunday uh so strike while the iron is hot shippingnation.com code andy to get you that 10 percent off all right coming up on this podcast Apologies off the top for the sound quality in the intro, outro. I am traveling this week. I'm in San Francisco for the opening of Golden Gate Park, a new par three course restored by Jay Blasey, uh, a project I'm incredibly excited about. I've interviewed Jay on this podcast before. He is, in my opinion, one of the best up and coming architects in the game right now. And I think Golden Gate Park, uh, the Golden Gate Park restoration is going to end up quote unquote actually growing the game in in one of the more major urban areas in the country more than any professional golf tournament held this year certainly uh but due to this media day we are not talking about mexico this week we are bringing on andy johnson of the fried egg to uh draft our dream u.s open rotation andy is someone I've wanted to have on the podcast for a while, gotten to know a lot of the guys over there at the Fried Egg. I think they do incredible work. I'm a proud subscri- subscriber to Club TFE. Uh, I would imagine if you're a regular listener to this podcast, you're probably familiar with what they're up to as well. But if not, you can find all of Andy's additional work at thefriedegg.com. Very frequent podcast guest, Joseph Olmania, does a ton of great stuff for them as well. Another friend of the pod, Garrett Morrison, just put out a great piece on some golf course ranking stuff that I found very fascinating. So if you enjoy this conversation with Andy Johnson, be sure to check out their additional content on the fried egg. And without further ado, let's bring him on. All right. Andy Johnson is here from the fried egg. A guest I've wanted to have on for quite some time. I was just telling you before we went hot, but I have a gimmick planned that I'm going to drop in one of these slower fall weeks that I think you would be perfect for, where we're essentially going to draft like our dream US Open 10 course rotation. So I guess we'll start like big picture. I podcasted with your colleague, Garrett Morrison, about us open venues in general and the identity crisis that it felt like the us open might be having especially as it pertained to the criticism surrounding lacc what are you looking for these days in a us open venue what what is the criteria that you have for what what type of venues we should be choosing yeah i i think Really, what it should come down to at this point is all about variety, a uh, variety of tests, variety of locales. And that should be really the thing that drives decision making for the US Open. Obviously, the decisions are all made till 2050. And I think it's kind of a bummer for golf fans. It, it takes a lot of the fun of the US Open out of it. 
you know, it's always fun to try and figure out guests and anticipate where they're going. And, you know, for the most part, they're, they're going to the same places regularly and they're great places. Like, I think they, you know, there's, you can have some bones to pick with certain courses and, and different things, but for the most part, they're going to great golf courses. They're going to the best golf course in the world. I think the thing, or some of the best golf courses in the world, but I think the thing that I really want to see out of the U.S. Open is this is America's championship, and I want it to have a representation of golf in America. And golf in America isn't played at five courses. It's played at, in, in a wide range of different geographies that have different aesthetics and and playing characteristics, different weather that that second week of June, and then, you know, different design features. And I think that's the, you know, I, furthermore, like I, I love old golf courses. I don't think you'd find anybody that loves the old American golf courses really more than me, but I think there should be a variety of, of golf courses from like you know, there should be some new courses. I think there was this knee-jerk reaction after Aaron Hills to get rid of any. You know, we can never go to a new golf course. It's that's how that's how history moves forward. You, you have to be new at some point to have a history. Like, I mean, Pinehurst Number Two wasn't this revered championship U.S. Open championship venue in 1990. You know, it wasn't until it had some you know big championships, and everybody forgets the Michael Campbell you know fluke. U.S. Open win when they talk about Pinehurst and and now it's all of a sudden the staple of American Championship golf, right? And I love Pinehurst number two. It's it's high on my list of like courses I want to go to, but like the idea of like, hey, we can't go here because it's a new course is just silly to me because like that's that's golf in America. There's a new golf in America. We should be going to new golf in America, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, this will be pretty perfect in terms of the way that we're looking at this, because I think hitting different geographic points of the country, like I, I have a long list. And for example, like if you draft a Pacific Northwest course, I'm not going to draft a Pacific yeah. Northwest course. Like, I don't think, I think that, and if, if we get to the final rounds and the Midwest isn't represented, I'm going to find somewhere in the Midwest. I think, I think that's what we should be doing. I don't think that there is, I don't think there's a lot of value in if any part of the country should be overrepresented. I think it should probably be the West Coast because of the primetime aspect of it. But I don't no rain think there's also. no rain, also. That's true. Although you do get that a little bit of that marine layer, like we saw at LACC, which had a lot of people up in arms. But yeah, I think that part of the fun of building a 10 is creating like that type of variety that you're talking about and also representing a really good mix of old courses, new courses, different parts of the country. So hopefully we'll get to play off each other a little bit. You ready? You ready to get going? You want me to get yeah. started? You can have the first pick. That's fine. I'll take the first pick because I want to give you You're the you're the host. You know, you gotta uh, okay. you gotta make the rules. Okay. All right. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Oakmont. All right. Was Oakmont on your board? What was it on my five now? All right, I'll make the case for Oakmont. So I don't. Th I mean, I don't think there needs to be much case made. <laughs> <laughs> there was a recent restoration here by Hans that we haven't really seen yet. Uh, hopefully, he undid a lot of the Fazio stuff that was done in the mid two thousands. I think they're uh, uh, they're also looking to 
find a solution for the cross-country golf that was played in the USAM. Right, right. And this is, to me, the reason why I took Oakmont 1, I think this is such a safe bet for the next 50 years. Like You've got a lot of great history. It's a golf course that's hosted nine US Opens. Gene Saracen, Bobby Jones, Sam Snead, Ben Hogan, Jack Nicklaus, Johnny Miller, Angel Cabrera, of course. People care a lot about score to par a lot more than I do at US Opens, but as if the USGA is going to continue to market itself as the toughest test in golf and still sell hats that have grit on them and block letters. Do you want me to put my grit hat on? I I mean, if that's what we're going to market the US Open as, I don't know if there's a safer venue in the country to protect par without having to trick things up too crazy and make it 8,000 yards than Oakmont. Nine US Open here's plus 13, plus 11, minus five, minus one, minus five, minus four, minus five, plus five, minus four. So if you can shoot minus five at Oakmont, you're going to win a US Open. And I think logistically, like, I don't I've never been to Oakmont. I don't think there are any hosting issues with this course. Again, I've never been there. Pittsburgh seems to have good fans. It's an underserved yeah, golf a, town. Well, Not a PGA show. Tour event. Biggest never show in around. town. Yeah, right. It's always a great thing when when it's like the biggest thing that's coming to town. No offense to the Pirates, but they <laughs> it's the biggest thing that's going to be happening in Pittsburgh in the summer. Right? You're. That's that's the main attraction of the summer is when the U.S. Open comes to town. So Oakmont off the board. That's my number one draft pick. You are next. Uh, I'm just going to take what I I just don't want any other course in the New York area to get it. So I'm taking Shinnecock. I think it's uh, along number the same line. T- number two on yeah. my big board. I yeah. I just didn't. I didn't want. <laughs> I didn't want another New York course swooping in somehow snagging this uh you know i i hope this is the only only one that's in new york i think we need to have some geographic uh diversity here so i'm just going to take shinnecock i obviously that's as hard of a golf course as you're going to find i thought you know it was the usga seems to have trouble setting it up and i think a lot of it has to do with the knee-jerk par stuff um you know, it it bakes out in the afternoon. I think one of the issues with Shinnecock is, is similar to LACC is the afternoon's always going to play tougher than the morning. And that's something that golf fans just need to understand is that some golf courses, they when it, it gets windy and it dries out, particularly golf courses on like really good soils like like Shinnecock, like they get fiery in the afternoon and that's just the one of the dynamics of the tournament is guys that have morning tea times are going to shoot lower scores than guys with afternoon tea times for the most part so shinnecock is my my number two pick it's a pain in the ass to get to but it's such an awesome championship venue i think one of the neatest things about shinnecock is that it's like supremely playable for, for like women like if you if you ask any man about National Golf Links or Shinnecock, they're like, oh, National Golf Links is so much easier than Shinnecock. If you ask any woman, they're like, oh, Shinnecock so much easier than National Golf Links. They're open approaches, like you can run the ball up into Shinnecock's greens, but like it's all an aerial game. And for an aerial player, Shinnecock is one of the, you know, couple courses in America that that really wages psychological warfare on you. 
not to get us too sidetracked here. Does Shinnecock have a signature hole? I mean that the short part three eleven. I think I 11, think 10, 7, I think, Redan. Yeah, yeah, sixteen and seventeen are great holes. Eighteen's a great hole. I, I mean the 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 hardest thing I think about Shinnecock is like what's the worst hole there? It's like you're just like kind of right. grasping at straws. I mean nine is unbelievable up the hill. I think the stretch of nine, ten, and eleven, 11 are like yeah. absolutely spectacular and maybe the best stretch of golf uh, that you could find in in uh, in a U.S. Open venue. All right, All your right. pick. Okay, I'm gonna go with Marion, and then here's that's the last of the historic venues. Then I start getting a little bit weird, but I think Marion. We're northeast heavy here. Well, yeah, we'll get just wait. We're I got I got some tricks up my sleeve for four well, and five. Well worried here. Well, I think Philadelphia is a bigger mark, a, a big enough market to be spoken about separately than New York. Would you not agree? I just, well, my my direction generally here was going to be going up to Boston rather than to Philly. I mean, Philly is effectively a suburb of New York. Do you have? Not to step on further picks, but just in a vacuum, would you prefer a U.S. Open at the Country Club over Marion? Yeah, uh, just geographically, yes. I don't think golf course wise. I again, I think like I think the way these should be looked at is like we're going all the, all over the country. It's hard too. Like ten ten courses probably isn't enough for me. Yeah, right. Like I'd love to see fifteen rotated between because I think there's fifteen. Like this is a giant, big country, right? And I didn't even have Marion on my list, which is crazy. I love Marion. Marion's an unbelievable golf course. But like the way I started to thought about it was like, how do I get every part of the country except for the Southwest? Like we can't have this in in Arizona, right? In June. It's just not. It's not, not feasible to have an event in Arizona in mid June. People will die. Um, and Texas kind of is in the same boat as that. Right. So those though in Florida, like so those those areas to me were just off limits because of the time of year. But then what I did was I tried to like how do we spread this out to the most areas? And and I have 10 written down that kind of spread the spread it out. So like the Northeast, obviously huge concentration of golfers, but for me, they were only gonna get the Northeast was only gonna get two. And I, I don't, you know, people yeah. call Oakmont. I don't think Oakmont's to the Midwest or the Northeast, right? Kind of like in between range. It serves like a lot of, a lot of geographies. You pull from a lot there, but mm-hmm. like, I only had two, and and I'm fine with Marion being one of them. But I'm not going to take the Country Club because of that, right? It's not going to be on my list. So, no. all right, I'm going to tell you why I chose Marion, and then I'm going to cheat a little bit and ask you about one other Philly course. And if you feel strongly about this other Philly course, I'm willing to uh, replace Mary. Okay. Well, here's the reason why I chose Marion. I think logistically and lengthwise, it poses a bit more of a challenge to an Oakmont or Shinnecock. It's somehow still not 7,000 yards, but you remember that 2013 US Open Justin Rose won at one under par. No one broke 67. And the leader pretty tricked up. The leaderboard was like Luke Donald and Billy Horschel. And then 
two shorter accurate guys at the time. And then Jason Day and Phil Mickelson, longer, less accurate players. You know, so Hans did another 2018 restoration. Did you catch much of the 2022 Curtis Cup? I didn't watch. I didn't watch much. I forgot where I was, but I was somewhere. Yeah. That. So that that would have been the only time it's hosting the USAM in 2026. Well, I mean, the other thing with Marion that's intriguing is like, what's the rollback look like? I I think something's happening. It's probably not as severe, or it's not as great as what they originally set out to do. It got scaled back probably a little bit. Is my guess is where we settle, but a rollback's going to help Marion. Marion. Marion needs the ball to go 15 yard, 15% shorter, you know, to be completely honest. All right. Before we put a bow on Philly, do you think logistically Pine Valley could ever host a U.S. Open? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't been there. So it's like uh, one of the courses I probably need to go see. The, um, me too. I've never been there either. It, that was the only one on my long list when I was just thinking about, okay. Well, they got women members now. So that, right. that's a, it's one, one, one thing checked off the list for, for potentially hosting. Right. Yeah. I'll I just don't ball, know. If they, off our big, big board. Yeah. Gotta say, it's gotta be. This gotta be a, a at this point stage in in culture. It's gonna be you know a deal breaker on any of these things. So we're going with Marion then. Okay, your pick. Uh, my next pick. I'm just gonna just go outside the box for some representation here. I'm going Chambers Bay. I'm just taking it. I I listen. Like, do I think this is the greatest course in the world? No. But it's a golf course in the Pacific Northwest, a large chunk of our, our country that um, has to feel neglected, abused, not seen by the greater golfing world. There's nothing ever there. The fans turn out when they have things there. And it, it's a new golf course. And most importantly, it's a public golf course. Like there has to be representation, not only for Pacific Northwest, but for public golf somewhere in the uh and i i'm not talking a high-end resort golf like this is a a publicly owned golf course and i think that's a it's a, just an important course to have in the mix for us opens or big championships whether it's a pga or a us open i don't really care but chambers bay has to be involved just because of where it is it just like we need that we need we, 
They're also like, it's new. It's a new golf course. So what that there's no history. So what that like, we're going to always look back on 2015 as like, oh, like it was at Chambers Bay. What a disaster with the greens, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like the only way you build history, a lot of golf courses had disastrous debuts in U.S. Opens, but they kept going back to them. And I think like that's the thing with with whether it's Aaron Hills or Chambers Bay, like neither of them are my favorite golf courses in the world. But there should be a place for like, if I build an awesome golf course, I could host a US Open. And right now, I don't feel like that's, you know, an opportunity for anyone. And, and you know, I don't think there's an open date till 20, whatever. Uh, you know, there's one in the 30s that allegedly is open. I think that that's already been selected. Yeah, you kind of stymied my number four on my big board. Were you going to abandon? Yeah. Is Pacific- there's okay. no logistics. You're going to have media shuttling in from two hours away. The media is going to be cantankerous and, and angry. And you're going to have, where are the volunteers going to come from? It's not possible. There has to be infrastructure. I, I like, it's boring to say, but you have to have the proper facilities to accommodate. It's It's amazing how many people have to come in for these things. The the thing I was looking at, and I I completely just I completely just neglected all of the logistical challenges that you thought about because I just got so excited. But I was digging into the US amateur. Pacific Dunes is sixty six hundred yards. So hard. And like those guys were really struggling. It's it was kind of tough to it's tell. It's the hardest course abandoned. It's not even close. It doesn't matter what the yardage is. I agree. It's so hard. I agree. I, you know, this is really outside the box, crazy idea. Let's set all the lo- logistical challenges aside. Because want to just live in a world with that. We're, we don't. We 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 need to have people here. We want to remove that from the equation. Well, it, it, we hosted a successful one at LACC without people, so you never <laughs> know. Um, do you think they'd ever do a what they did at the at the USM? Where if they ever did host it at Bandon, they did some sort of multiple course rotation, no. or that would be nuts. They no. would drive people crazy. Well, what if somebody went out and shot like sixty-two on at Bandon trails and and ended up winning by one, <laughs> and it's like what's remembered is their sixty-two at yep. the at the opposite course, not the not the host, not the main course, right? Yeah, you do like Old Mac on Thursday, Trails on Friday, Band on Saturday, Pacific Sunday. I mean, that would be sick. <laughs> be like, so sick. <laughs> if you didn't have fans, if you didn't have to worry about volunteers, that'd be amazing. I would I would sign up for that. That would be unbelievable. <laughs> Honestly, it's maybe the best case for no fans in golf <laughs> is that if you if you had no fans and we moved to an era where television, you know, the it's all done by like uh, robotics where you don't need television towers or anything. I think you could do that. So we've got chambers. We've got chambers in there. Chambers was on my board as like the backup as my second choice Pacific Northwest. I. I've done a two-hour pod on on Chambers with Jay Blasey. I love that place. I visited, I visited there last summer. I think it got a really unfair rap in 2015 
and like I said, I don't I don't need to go into that. I've already talked extensively about that, but I think the switch to pure POA and I think another one of the issues with that course is the topo- the topography and like the fans walking up hills and things of that nature, which listen, that's that happened at LACC, like that's at Whistling Straits. That sorry, Pebble Beach. Eight holes board of the Pacific Ocean. Like I, I think people need to get over some of that stuff if you want these grand topographical challenges that I think make for really great TV. I also think that US Open, like if you go back and watch the final round on YouTube, Greg Norman in the booth, it was just the weirdest. It was just one of the weirdest, like the Fox shot tracer, everything about that. Greg Norman in the booth, DJ three putts, and Greg is just silent for like two minutes. It's just radio silence. I think everything about that US Open just deserves a second chance. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there were a lot of firsts that week, right? Yeah. Yeah. Gary, Gary Player came in, bombed yeah. in. Like, <laughs> there's all kinds. Of, Tiger Tiger topped like three shots. Like, there was all kinds of crazy stuff. Jason had, Day fainted. Yeah, the vertigo. The vertigo about... <laughs> Louis Eustazen hit uh, hit a shot in contention like six miles right. Like there was, it was a crazy. I mean, like what you want is like memorable moments. I don't know if any any tournaments produce more memorable moments. All right, I'm going with this is your this five is, pick. This is number five. This is four, right? No, you had the first pick. I had the second pick. You had the third. Okay, you, yeah, you five Mary, overall. Yeah, okay, five. yeah, five. You're right. I'll go Aaron Hills. I think that oh, course man. deserves I think that course deserves another chance. And I think this one's a really easy one to fix. I know they didn't get the win that they wanted, but I don't understand why they made that course a par 72. I, I don't think you can give professional golfers four par fives at a US Open anymore. Even the PGA well, Championship just, stopped what, doing par 72s. Why do we care about par? I agree. I agree. But as long as the U.S. Open continues to market itself that way, I mean, it's like that was that was the thing that was a sticking point for Aaron Hills. That's what people were remembering is Brooks minus 16. Right. Which is silly, because if you just make 14 a long par four and you make seven a long par four, then even without win, eight under eight eight guys broke par at Aaron Hills. Eight guys. And he shot what? Everybody shoots in U.S. Opens now, minus right. six to minus ten. Right, that's winning scorers at U.S. Opens now. So, do you feel good about that being the Midwest representation? I mean, it's or... fine. It's fine. It's I. I don't think there's a like a slam dunk Midwest option. Is the thing right? And I think it's fine. I I like that it's public. I like that it's new. If twenty percent, twenty percent of our our rotation is new golf courses. I think that's a, a great percentage to be on. I was, I kind of was a little worried about looking at mine as like, oh, like you know, is is there enough new golf here with just Chambers Bay? And I'm fine with Aaron Hills. Would I have picked it? I don't know. I it's, I'm, I was gonna pick one of the two between between Chambers and Aaron Hills, and and I again like what I what I want what I want those courses for really is to incentivize 
you know, the developer to maybe developers to maybe try and go for it, try and make a public. I think really like one of the tough things with public golf and new development is like the business model. And one of the viable, I believe one of the viable business models for building new public golf, spectacular public golf is, is the U S open public golf course, right? That's going to guarantee marketing, like free marketing and loads of people and the ability to go find spectacular sites, you know, or procure spectacular sites near enough to major metropolitan areas to build, you know, really ambitious golf for the public. And, um, you know, if otherwise it were really like left to public redesigns of golf courses or the far flung destination golf, which we see dominating new, new construction in public golf. Right. So like, you know, the idea like that abandoned can't host us opens, right. Uh, we just talked about that. Sand Valley can't really host a us open. There's no infrastructure. Um, you know, Pinehurst Pinehurst is, is like really tough us open host because there's not lodging like, right. It, it you know, right. you get this crazy marketplace for, for lodging, which is, it's fine. You know, you, I, I I'll, I'll go with my next one. I'll take Pinehurst. I'll, I'll, it gets us to the south, southeast. I think some people would disagree if it's southeast, but I, I would say let's go to Pinehurst. I, I think that golf course is great, and I would love Pinehurst every ten years. I don't love it every four, but, but every ten, we're good here. Did you go to the twenty fourteen U.S. Open there? I did not. I did not. So huge I was, crowds. Yeah, I was in. Um, I was in college. Uh, in the area at the time, Where I went at? Duke. Oh, um, you got it. You're Dukey. I am. I feel like that golf course became a victim of how boring that tournament ended up being from a competitive standpoint. And I don't love the fact that this has become an anchor that we're going to see so often. But I think that it's a very good. If you if it's part of a ten course rotation. I yes. think that's wonderful. A five course rotation. I I think that's a little bit bloated, in my opinion. It's awesome. It, I like. I think that's the thing is there's just gonna be there's just gonna be Piners fatigue, and that yeah. sucks because it's an awesome golf course. I'm super excited for the next U.S. Open there, and it, but it's been nine years. Like I think what's cool about the next U.S. Open there, it's it's neat when you have a mix of guys that have played it before. Like that's where Brooks Kepka like burst on the scene. In mm-hmm. 2014, like that was where that was Eric, coming out. Eric party. Compton. <laughs> yeah, but now you get to see Brooks nine years later, and he's got five major championships, and as he's coming back to the place that like launched his career. Meanwhile, the majority of that field will have never played a U.S. Open at Pinehurst, you know, and that's a cool dynamic. I don't think it's as cool of a dynamic when everybody there, every contender's already seen it, right? I like the unknown aspect of when courses are gone long enough that you forget stuff is a good thing. But you were, what I you love were just there too, right? I was there last week. It's great. Yeah. I love the I I think the golf course is amazing. I'm writing about it right now for our uh for Club TFE and and uh it's a it's an amazing golf course. But it, it no no golf course in America should be hosting a tournament, a U.S. Open every four years, and that's 
That's the problem. It's all it's all money. It's all a big play with the USGA headquarters down there. They're trying to make it. I, I feel like they're trying to make it like St. Andrews. It's just not like, you know, when you try and make these things things, that's when you get in trouble. And in like it, it, it's just we we aren't the same as the UK. Like the UK is tiny compared compared to the United States. Like we have dozens of golf courses that could host us opens and they're taking it to one place every four years. It's irresponsible. Every 10 years is fine. I, I like, I like Pinehurst number two uh, in here. And what I love about our Rota is three of the six courses selected are public. All right. So we each have, we've each made uh three picks. We each have two picks left. Not a course in California has been selected yet, which I think would be a surprise to many people. And I think, this is this is where it gets a little bit more challenging, right? Because I think if you're making a case, in my opinion, tell me if you disagree. I think you could make a case that if there should be any state that has two representatives in a 10-course rotation, are you comfortable with the Northern California and Southern California golf course in this rotation? I don't have it on my list. Uh, but I'm comfortable. Yeah. I, I mean, I, it's, uh, I think like California is a great golf state. I think that, uh, New York, you could make the case for two representatives. I think we kind of have that with Phil, with Philly in New York. It's like the, just the same general area. Right. So two is fine. I mean, are you, are you going for a Northern California course here? I'm like notoriously well on Pebble beach as a, U.S. Open venue. It's not. It's not anywhere on my list. Okay, I'm glad we share that opinion because that's that's one of the ones I get a lot of flack for. I, okay, it's not on my list until they till they actually uh, represent the golf course as to what it 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 should approximate. Right. So I'm gonna go full heel turn here and make like a bit of a case for why LACC. <laughs> Should get I, it's, should it's get on. It. it was on my five. It's on like you. You told me pick up five. Like I had five an honorable mention. It was number like number three on mine. So, so the reason why I have LACC on and listen, I I am not privy to some of the issues that LACC had. Some of like the very fair criticisms that it had. You know. None of them, a lot of the criticisms with the scoring, I I took some issue with that. I think the concerns more so about the fans, the atmosphere, I have room for that. Like I spent multiple days there. I think inside the ropes, it's fine for the viewer. I will say it's a really hard golf course to watch golf on just for a regular spectator. And I think the bad taste in everyone's mouth from the membership, not really having the most inviting approach. I think that's real. Like as a Los Angeles resident, I played the golf course a number of times friendly with a couple of members. Some might be listening. So I feel, but I do feel okay saying this. I just don't think they took like a ton of pride in hosting a U.S. Open where you compare it to the membership at, say, Oak Hill, and it's just so meaningful 
for them to be able to host major championships. That membership takes so much pride in hosting major championships. They are still buzzing months later and counting down the days to the next one. And I do feel like that stuff matters. So I don't want to not give proper due to those concerns that I think are valid with LACC. With that being said, I think some of the golf shots that we got to witness on LACC were pretty remarkable and provided like a really fun contrast in terms of stuff that we just do not see week to week on the PGA tour. We do not see represented at other U S open venues that we have already selected. And I still think that if you can get it happens, this happens a lot of the time in Los Angeles where it's like, it sometimes takes them a little bit for them to understand something is happening. I still think having a U.S. Open in Los Angeles is a is a major major asset for all parties involved because that U.S. Open most, it was the most profitable U.S. Open yeah it ever. was a massive money maker for the USGA and and that that was to be said with even feeling like in the atmosphere that half the city had no idea it was even happening yeah I'm I'm all for the LACC U.S. Open and I think you hit the nail on the head from a golf course standpoint the required shots. You know, I, I don't, it, it might not, it's up there to me with like Shinnecock and the most demanding, like, does the, does the score show it? No, but I think from like a, a challenge perspective, I think like the hardest thing for golf fans to understand is something can be more challenging than another golf course from, because it, it, it requires thought and different shots. It can be more challenging, but the scores can be lower. Does that make sense? Yeah, completely. So, and I think LACC is one of those. I, uh, I, I don't want to name drop here. I, I spoke at length uh, with Rory about LACC months after the U.S. Open, and all he was like, "I, I can't stop thinking about that golf course." When I think about it, I, you know, I'm paraphrasing here. Is like, no golf course has asked me to hit so many different shots. And I went through my entire bag and hit such a like I hit every club in my bag, every almost every shot in my bag over the course of the week. So, like to me, that's that's what you want to hear from a venue. What when you talk about a test, what you want to do is have a test that asks all the questions. And if LACC asks as many questions as any golf course in the world, yeah. I think that because to me, that is LACC is legitimately a top five golf course that I have played in the country. I, I love that place more than nearly any other golf course in America. I think it's an architectural masterpiece. I, I do think that there were a couple holes. I'm thinking of three. I'm thinking of 15 where I did underestimate How far a, hole, a hole that I find like incredibly captivating for an amateur, how how much less captivating it was to watch a pro play. I thought 15 was going to be like devilish. I thought I thought it was going to be, I thought it was going to like give players fits. I thought that three, there was going to be like a real kind of decision matrix maybe on that hole. There was, 
there was no decision matrix you know on that tee shot whatsoever. A rollback. Yeah. I'm if everybody there. couldn't carry the Branca, then, you know, there might be a, a decision made, right? Yeah. Um, I think with 15, they did chicken out on the front right pin. They could have gone a little bit further. And I think that would have made, I, you're a data guy. Like I'd be, you know, if, if they had moved that pin five more feet and all of a sudden you have a five foot longer putt by bailing out left, it becomes a little bit more of, more of a decision, right? Totally. Totally. Right. You, it's just harder to aim that much further away with a wedge in your hand for the best players in the world. All right. We each have, or it's your pick. I got, I got three left. I got two okay. left. Two, two left, left. Yeah. So I'm starting to now look at like, um, we've transitioned from, from best courses at this point to geographic locales in my right. book, because I think that's the most important thing here is about getting a wide range of golf co- of locales for the U S open. You know, the, I want a U S open in this area should mm-hmm. be like a, kind of a uh aspect of it so i'm gonna go uh i've got i've got two that kind of satisfy just the smack dab middle of the country and i'm trying to decide between the two of them i'm struggling it might be a little hot in june but i'm gonna take southern hills okay interesting i love southern hills by the way it's a great I just, golf course i was yeah. i was behind it in cherry hills for like a denver one i just Cherry Hills is really cool. I, I was out there a couple of weeks ago and, and really enjoyed it. I just, I think Southern Hills is a little bit more of a golf course. I would be cool with that being switched over to the USGA from the PGA. I think that that golf course is more than worthy to be in the USGA mix as opposed to a PGA. It's just, the date's hard, right? And that's where I'd be okay swapping this to Cherry Hills. I mean, like up until the 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 call, uh, up until the moment I said it, I was undecided, right? So those two, I feel like, would really satisfy a good area of the country. Okay. Well, I have another Colorado nominee. So Colorado Golf Club. I was going to say, could Bally Neal ever host a U.S. Open? No. no. It's ruining thousand, all my fun. It's a thousand person town. <laughs> just absolutely stomping on, stomping on all the fun. I'm not trying. I I didn't know. Just, you can't host these things. And, I mean, like Holyoke makes Bandit look like a thriving metropolis. <laughs> I think that'd be a fun golf course to watch. Watch professional golf. On. Uh, Drive people insane. <laughs> okay. All right. So if you go Southern Hills, you can still go with it. No, you no, no, still, no, no. You, you can go you, with Bally Neal. You can put him in there. Did, don't make me crush your dreams. This no. is your pick. This is your podcast. Too. I have a lot of long list ones that I had questions about. And I think you hit on the key logistical challenge with Bally Neal. This is we're, we're taking this seriously. These have got to be places where this could actually play out. So I, I have a question before I select this course. Where are you at on Olympic Club? Did you go to their recent 
they had, I haven't gone. I haven't. I've, yeah, they I've did a around. thing recently. Yeah, I've heard it was um, spectacular from some folks that went. But they had a Gill did another restoration there. They got a new seventh hole. The greens are bigger. Fairways are like twenty five percent bigger. I haven't checked it out. I haven't seen. I it think yet. this is super demanding golf course. You do definitely feel engaged when you play at Olympic Club because you're constantly hitting from different lies and yeah, up and down and you know, side hills and, and it's, it's very, very challenging golf course. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I'm like, it's not my cup of tea on a daily basis, but yeah, I could see how you could want to do it. And it's a, it's a great venue and, you know, it's got a lot of space and I'm, I'm fine with fine with it, you know? And again, it, it satisfies that West coast, uh, it's going to, the ball's going to go nowhere. That helps with with the way it defends par is the ball just doesn't go anywhere there. It was either country club or Olympic for me. And I, I think people are going to say the underrepresentation of Pebble Beach. I, I just got to say, like, I think that if Pebble Beach hosts an elevated event every year on the PGA Tour, I'm so fine with that. I, I don't. I really enjoyed the U.S. Women's Open too. I think this is a way better uh, women's U.S. Open venue than it is a men's U.S. Open venue, and I think the idea of putting it in the schedule as an elevated host every year, but taking it out of the U.S. Open rotation, would be something I would be interested in. I'm fine with that. I don't think they would be fine with that though. They wouldn't. I'd be I'd love to hear what they would trade if they if you made them choose between hosting the the Pebble Beach, the Pro Am every year or vacating all their US Opens, what they'd choose. It's got it. They they gotta stick with the US Open, right? I would imagine. I mean that I haven't been to both of them in the last two months. The marketing that they put behind both Pinehurst and Pebble are putting behind US Open Anchor site is like huge. I mean it's like a you know that that is clearly worth a lot of um marketing capital to them. Nope. I I went to the 2019 US Open, the one that Woodland won. I got to say like and I felt this way because I went to the Ryder Cup at Whistling Straits too. Pebble Beach, outside the ropes, like not that easy to watch golf shots. Like a lot of the, a really lot, eight, eight holes border the Pacific Ocean. And this is the same problem with the Ryder Cup at Whistling Straits. And, you know, LACC faced some of those challenges with the Barrancas. And, but if you're going to do the thing that people do with Chambers and LACC, like, go stand outside the ropes and try and watch like a meaningful amount of golf shots at Pebble beach. Like there are a couple good grandstands. Like if you want to post in front of seven for like six hours, if that's your cup of tea, but if you want to try and follow a group from one to 18 outside the ropes at Pebble beach, it's harder to do that at Pebble than it is at LACC or whistling or whatever chambers. So I think that, deserves it deserves to be in that conversation too i'll go <sighs> pebble really isn't close to that's people like to act like it's like in san francisco it's far away it's far from san francisco it's far from san francisco 
Olympic is not. All right, we're going to collab. I'm going to ask got for one la- a bit one of la- collaboration here because I'm I'm like in between on Olympic and and Country Club. And your final pick, does Olympic or Country Club fit better with your final pick? I guess is what I'm, I'm going. You. I'm going to a different part of the country. Completely for my final pick. So it doesn't really matter. It's up to you whether you want to have three California or three North, uh, Pacific time zone U.S. Opens, or if you want to add a fourth or fifth uh, Eastern time zone U.S. Open. That's that's how I break it down to you. I'm going with the Country Club. Oh wow! I thought you were going with. Uh, with I, I'm going I, with the you country said club. At, the, at the outset <laughs> that you wanted to have, you wanted to have a lot of West Coast majors. I didn't go to this U.S. Open. I imagine you did. It was awesome. It was... Do we do we overrate the Boston fan atmosphere, or was that palpable on site? Because I think that matters to me in this draft. Like, what's the energy like that week? I think what we're maybe missing that the country club and Olympic would not as much to the country club, like what the country club's best value is, is it's like in the heart of a rabid sports city. Yeah. Right. And I think like you would get this type of atmosphere at Beth page, you get this type of atmosphere at other places, but it's very rare to have like, you don't get this type of atmosphere at LACC, despite it being in the heart <laughs> of like uh, an area. Like you don't get that there. You could. It has the recipe for it, but it's LA, so you know LACC is perfect for an LA uh, uh, major. It's perfect for that. But I think the um, the country club, what you know, more so than the than the Boston fans, which are great, is just like where it is. Like there's a there. It's just in the i can't like you could what i thought about when i was there is like we're out to dinner on saturday night and and then we went out for a beer afterwards and i was like you know what the great thing about here is versus pinehurst versus pebble versus shinnecock is i could be out at a bar on saturday night at boston in boston and somebody be like do you want to go to the u.s open tomorrow and I wouldn't have to think twice. I'd be like, absolutely, yeah. I want to go. It's not like you know what, like I might have to get in a car and drive like two hours. No, I don't want to do that. Like, you know, this four hours, it's gonna be a pain to get. It's like, no, like you want to go to the country club, it's it's you know, 10 minutes from my house. Like, yeah, I'm in, I'm going, right? Like, that's and, the cool thing about that one. And and the history, I'd say too, like they've got it's a really easy job for cbs that week nbc that week because they're just just lean on we met yeah you just lean on we met (laughs) all day yeah they're they're doing the we met thing again yeah all right we'll go to that matt fitzpatrick now (laughs) matt fitzpatrick (laughs) usam yeah they've got they've got a lot there okay final pick and this is hard this is hard i don't like that i have the final pick I'm be- I'm between I'm between three courses here. Yeah, um, I'll just talk I'll let you in on them. I'm, I'm between Oakland Hills, Medina Three, which is being redone. Uh, Ogilvy, could, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Mike Cocking, Ashley Mead, and, and Jeff Ogilvy's firm, and then uh, my last one's Kiowa, and I think I'm gonna go with Kiowa because of the architectural era that it was built. 
we need some representation for the for the eighties. You know, that's that we need representation from the sixties to the eighties or and yeah. and that's gonna fill the void there. And but you know would what, you, you say know what, that key was like on the scale of like representative of like the Pete Dye target golf, it's like actually is a bit of an antidote to some of that, which is actually why I like it. I love key. I think it's yeah. like I think it's amazing, amazing major venue. You know why? Because like the thing that these guys like the best way to test pros is with elements and it and it always blows. It always it, it's yeah. just this little island out in the ocean, right? It's always windy there. And I that's what I love about it. It's like it's a calm day and it's still blowing 1520, right? And a lot of times it'll blow from different directions and it's you know, you're 30 minutes from from Charleston, which is which is great. It, it, it they've had their logistical challenges, but that that last uh, major, I think they had a little bit reduced fans, but it it worked it worked really well. Um, so I think Kiwa, I'm giving it to it. Then we all of a sudden have, you know, we've got decent representation across the country here. I'm still wondering if I should have gone Cherry Hills instead of Southern Hills, but uh, you know, that's that's something that's hopefully not going to keep me up at night. Yeah, I mean, I think the area, the three kind of golf hotspots that we didn't hit are pretty understandable, right? It's like Florida, Texas, and Arizona. Like we don't yeah. need a US Open in any of those places. You have to do it. Yeah. I mean, like yeah. Southern Hills is questionable. Yeah. I mean, I think he was going to be hot, but there's going to be breeze. He was going to be hot, but yeah, there'll be breeze. And I think I, I'd be so fascinated to see, like, I don't know. I'm going to check what's on the schedule for Kiwa, if it has any PGAs or anything like that coming up. Because I think the Phil Mickelson PGA, if they go back to Kiwa, I'm just going to be so fascinated how they utilize that and if they lean on that as a sticking point of part of the broadcast going forward. I wonder if that gets lost to time. I think it was like maybe the most remarkable thing that's happened in golf over the last 50 years. And Phil obviously did. Phil has done so much stuff in between now and then that makes it feel like a total afterthought. But that was like probably the that and Tiger in 2019 were probably like the two wildest golf moments in terms of something that actually happened on the course, maybe in the last 50 years. Yeah, it was insane. It was a great final round. It was a great tournament. I'd love to see more tournament golf there. A couple, uh, a that's couple some great ones. history. It's got great. Yeah, that's a, it's a perfect example of a golf course that's building an amazing history, right? Like you just think about Kiwa's at, you know, the, one of the most important Ryder Cups ever. Right. It had uh, Rory win the win the PGA in like the peak By Rory. Over, yeah, over peak David Rory Lynn. period. Yeah. <laughs> David Lynn, <laughs> Carl Patterson was in the mix. You right. know, just a a slew of uh, of killers that he uh, vanquished. And now you have that Phil Phil win, which is you know one of the one of the great ones of of all time, right? So, I mean, this is the thing you you can't. Everybody wants these historic venues, and so you got to give certain places an opportunity to build history. If that makes sense, are the two that we would get criticism on for leaving out? Is it Pebble, Pebble. and Wingfoot? Yeah, Pebble Wingfoot. You know, I had a hard time. I think Oakland Hills is is phenomenal, phenomenal, um, but could be a PGA 
if we do it again for the PGA, it that's can't like be. A, it can't like be a, a PGA. The PGA is in May. You can't go to Detroit in May. That's that's the hard thing about what the PGA date is. It limits like half the country. You right? can't go to Detroit in May. No, <laughs> we went to Rochester in May. That was that was unbelievable <laughs> how good that worked out. <laughs> So I think then it's probably Oakland Hills. And have you seen it since the yeah, restoration? It's, it's they amazing. did. It's good. It's amazing. It's good. Yeah. yeah. I think it's on the schedule for 20 or it may have a 28, PG. 29. I think no, it's, it's 28. A, yeah. The, um, yeah. So that, uh, I think Pebbles is probably the big one. Winged foot. I'm good on winged foot. I, I just didn't. I, just, I thought about putting it on just because it's a style of golf, right? Right. Like sure. I think that I think so it's Tory Pines. <laughs> people got mad about the Bryson thing, but I think that's kind of like a legit style of golf. Like I don't mind. I don't. I don't mind somebody just bludgeoning a course to death, and that being that being one of the ways that people can play to win a U.S. Open if it's the right venue, right? Yeah. All right, Andy. This was a blast. Hopefully, we'll do it again soon, and I hope to see you at some of the. Some of the events you got coming up as well. You got anything to plug before we get out of here? I mean, yeah, I guess if I, you know, we got a lot going on. Just we got a couple podcasts and, and a newsletter. So if you if you want to follow what we do, listen to the Fried Egg Pod Golf Podcast, the Shotgun Start, or sign up for our newsletter. It goes out three days a week. It's it's uh, we put a lot of time into that. So those are the things we got going on. Good to see you, my man. We'll do it again soon, buddy. Thanks, Andy. All right, that is it for the podcast. We will be back next week doing a very fun episode with Kyle Porter, annual major over-unders, one of my favorite discussions of the year. Until then, for all of my content this week on the Mexico event, you can find that at rickwingoods.com. Promo code Andy. Good luck with your bets this week, and we will see you next time. Cheers. If I ventured in the slipstream Between the viaducts of your dream Where my world still runs crack And the dead shed the back roads stop